Welcome to the Second Mom's Circle. I'm Dawn Baggett, your host, and as an adoptive mom myself and a post-adoption mom coach, I want you to feel welcome here as this is a safe space for you, adoptive moms who are maybe finding yourself in the gap. What is the gap? Well, the gap is something that I identified not only in my own life and my own family, but also in many, many others. And it happens that as adoptive moms, we often find ourselves in a gap with inadequate or even almost non-existent support and ineffective support in our roles as adoptive mom. It kind of feels like the rug is just pulled out from under you sometimes. So if that's something that you can relate to, let's dive in. Have you ever looked to see what the Bible has to say about stumbling blocks? I remembered that phrase, stumbling block, and that way, way back, it was impressed upon me that I did not want to become a stumbling block to anyone. I discovered the Bible does have a lot to say about stumbling, stumbling blocks, and how awful it is to cause others to stumble in their faith journey, particularly little ones. As a mom, it has been my goal and my prayer to keep from being a stumbling block to my children in any way. I was also thinking about stumbling blocks of my own and the need to watch out for them. And I was thinking about what stumbling blocks as second moms, adoptive moms, and stepmoms perhaps, and those of us raising kids with trauma backgrounds, what types of stumbling blocks we frequently trip over. And so I wanted to revisit this concept of stumbling blocks with you. Of the verses I found, some reference God holding us, rescuing us, and preventing us from stumbling as his children. Psalm 56 verse 13 says, For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Another verse from Psalms, Psalm 116 verse 8 says, For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And this one stood out to me from Psalms chapter 37, verse 24. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Doesn't that bring to mind a toddler holding the hand of the parent? And when the toddler starts to stumble, he doesn't fall completely down because the parent has his hand held firmly and the mom or dad doesn't allow the young child to get hurt and prevents damaging the child's progress 
and learning to walk and then later to run as he grows in his abilities. What a sweet picture of the way God holds our hand, keeping us from falling headlong when we begin to lose faith and possibly stumble into sin. God also protects us from danger, as in Psalm 27, 2, which says, When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Still thinking about that toddler holding his parent's hand and how confident that child is taking those wobbly steps while the parent is right there holding their hand, keeping them from falling down. Psalm 119 verse 165 says this, Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Wow. And then Proverbs chapter 3 verse 23 says, Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. But now what does it mean in your way? Well, Proverbs chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 shed some light on this phrase in your way. It says, I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. What a beautiful picture this is of walking in the way with God. Not only does God hold on to us, he also directs us in the right paths so that we don't stumble and fall. So how does this apply in our lives in a practical way? Well, as Christians, when we stumble out of faith and into sin, we're not going very far without feeling that tug of God's hand upon us, pulling us back into relationship with him onto the path of righteousness, standing us up where we should be and nudging us going in the, in the way that we should be going. Now, we can resist that tug, but wouldn't you rather not fall into sin headlong and headstrong going the wrong way where there's danger and destruction? Hmm. Thinking about that toddler, when you're down on the floor, you might think it's safer that you can't fall far if you're not standing up not moving forward or merely crawling, there's a danger that you'll choose to just stay down there. But God's hand reaches for you to pull you up and set you back onto your path of purpose, learning how to walk and then run. May we be quick to grab hold and pull back upright when we stumble. Of course, it's better to continue walking with God on the path that he guides us on. So making sure that we're holding on to God and God's holding on to us and that we're not resisting 
when we start to stumble into sin. And we feel the tug of God pulling us back onto the right path, pulling us back up off the ground again. You know the quicker we get up, the quicker we stand upright, the less danger we're in, and the better we can continue moving forward with God and keep that momentum. James 3.2 tells us, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So, it's not that we won't ever stumble, and so will our kids. We should expect that stumbling is part of life. But we should also trust that when we stumble, God is there to help us get back up again very quickly and without as much injury to our faith and to our influence as we would have had otherwise. So when we live in this way, holding to God's hand, occasionally stumbling but trusting God and depending on and cooperating with Him as He pulls us back up to standing upright, brushes us off, and puts us back on the right path. When we do that, we're demonstrating a life of faith and a life of close relationship with God. And this, what I call authentic modeling, is how we set the example for our children and those looking to us for how we handle the challenging circumstances and stumbles in our lives. And I talk about authentic modeling more in my, um, in my coaching program. If you'd like to learn more about what authentic modeling can look like in your family and in your life. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Now that sounds like a warning. It sounds kind of silly though that someone would not know whether they're standing up or not. Don't you know when you're standing up or if you're really laying on the ground or rolling down a hill, wouldn't you realize that you're not still standing? Well, maybe, maybe not. What if you were kind of semi-conscious? What if you're drunk? What if you're high? What if you're just sleepwalking? We must be aware of our position to be aware of whether we're standing in our faith walk or whether we're slipping, falling, stumbling, or already completely laid out on the ground. I think that is what 1 Corinthians 10:12 is warning us about. Be careful of stumbling blocks on our own faith journey. Don't just walk with your head in the clouds, not even paying attention to what's in front of you, to what's around you, to the stumbling blocks. So we've talked about stumbling and falling ourselves. And I think you probably get that. But what about stumbling blocks that we might put in front of someone else? A stumbling block that would cause them to stumble in their faith and fall into sin. Perhaps even a lifestyle of sin. This is something the Bible also warns strongly about. Now, I live in Talladega, Alabama, home of the AIDB, Alabama Institute of the Deaf and Blind. You may have thought I was going to say home of car racing and the Talladega 500, but I'm not really a race fan. Leviticus 19.14 tells us, You shall not curse a deaf man, 
nor place a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. Wow. Wow. Now, it's one thing to have an obstacle in front of you. And you can see it and walk around it, jump over it, maybe avoid it somehow. But if you're blind and you have no idea that obstacle is there, someone has put it there directly in your path. That kind of gives a new level of understanding to this idea of putting a stumbling block before someone else. Someone extra vulnerable. And if you're doing that, if you're putting a stumbling block in front of someone that's extra vulnerable, Leviticus 19.14 indicates that you're not revering God. You're not on the right path. You're not even on the path at all. That kind of behavior where you're actively putting something to trip up a vulnerable person. This is what the warning is about. I learned that the word offense is from the Greek word scandalon, meaning a trigger or a bait stick that would cause traps to spring shut. Imagine you're out in the woods and there's an old-fashioned spring trap that could break a leg when stepped on. And to keep from stepping on it or keep anyone else from stepping on it, you have your long walking stick and you pop that trap with your stick. And that thing just slams shut and it almost jumps off the ground because it slammed shut with such force, breaking the stick in two. Listen to the following verses. And where you hear the word offenses, think about that trap. Think traps, setting a snare for an unsuspecting victim or baiting them in order to lead them into sin. In these following verses, Matthew chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, the Bible warns us, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Now, when the Bible says woe, I think, wow, woe, that is a big deal. I think offenses, obstacles, and stumbling blocks all refer to this type of trap or this type of snare that we can put in the path of another that can cripple their faith in Jesus Christ. I would never want to do that to anyone, and I'm sure you wouldn't either, and especially not our children, no matter how upset we are with them. But we have to be careful that we're not doing something like that. We have to be careful that we haven't stumbled and that we're not like pulling them down with us. We have to have our ourselves in the standing up upright position so that we can see clearly, so that we can understand clearly, so that we can act rightly and not put a stumbling block in front of them in front of another. It's less about our rights and more about doing others right. It's less about my freedoms and more about my focus on protecting the faith of others. 
and recognizing how my actions impact them and particularly how my actions can impact their faith journey. So I want to share a passage to wrap up with, and this is the passage from Romans chapter 14, verses 13 through 23. This passage you may remember, and I encourage you to read on your own, is regarding not eating foods that have been deemed by some as unclean, but now they're actually clean and free to be eaten. And so there's freedom there. While you could rightfully freely eat them as clean, the passage points out the reason to maybe refrain, choose to refrain from eating them when someone else believes them to be unclean and improper to be eating. So this is to avoid being a stumbling block to their faith. Verse 13 says, Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. We know it's speaking here of someone's, someone of faith, but perhaps a more immature faith. And if our children are believers, or hopefully, if, even if they're not, we're, we're hoping that they will and praying that they will be, become believers. And we don't want to do anything, even if there's just been some seeds planted. We don't want to do anything to hinder those, those seeds of faith from growing. And so my two goals regarding stumbling blocks are these. Number one, don't fall into sin myself. And number two, don't cause my children or anyone else to stumble in their faith. And so how do I go about achieving these goals? Well, here's my list from the verses that we covered in this episode. Expect stumbling blocks. Hold on to God's hand. Cooperate quickly and do not resist God's pull when I do stumble. Be aware of my position to avoid falling into sin myself and avoid causing my child or anyone else to stumble. Ask myself, what is my position? I can't very well help my child stand up if I'm sitting on the ground or laying down. Similarly to getting the log out of my eye before proceeding to move, remove a speck from theirs in another verse. I must consider my position first. If I'm about to stumble or already stumbling, I don't want to take them down with me. My next point, make sure I'm standing strong in my faith before attempting to correct my children or others. Be aware of potential stumbling blocks for them that could hinder and cause them to stumble in their faith. And lastly, demonstrate care that what I do, my actions, impact my children, others, and understand the warning against putting a stumbling block before a child or before someone whose faith journey could take a tumble because of my own actions. So let me know your takeaways from this talk about stumbling and stumbling blocks. And if you're listening and you got value from this, I would love to hear how you use what you learned in this episode and how it's helping you.
thank you for listening to this episode of Second Mom's Circle. You can read the companion blog post and more at the website at dawnbaggett.com. Also, please leave a review and follow the podcast if you found this valuable. I'm Dawn Baggett, and as always, keep learning, keep growing, and keep loving.